0: Get sixty percent off at babble.com slash realm. That is spelled B A B B E L dot com slash realm rules and restrictions may apply. Namaste, super ninfrendos. What is going on? It is episode. 610 of nintendo voice chat i am your host seth macy joined today by pear schneider
1: may the fifth be with you (laughs) and
0: of course (laughs) industry legend cat bailey
2: uh live long and prosper wait a minute i'm doing it (laughs) wrong oh no there we go live long and prosper
0: perfect i actually just watched uh strange new worlds this morning before work oh nice i I hear
2: it's good yeah
1: it's okay oh okay I heard uh, some people have seen more than one episode. Since, I think right? it Go. has promised. Uh they I the the editing
0: has and, and camera work leaves a lot to be desired. The camera never oh. stops moving. And there That's... were there were thirty three jump cuts in sixty seconds, I counted, because it was becoming wow.
1: such a distraction to me that I was like, I gotta see what's going on here. That's because it's a prequel, like the camera <laughs> movements were very different back then. <laughs> no, they were... Star
0: Trek the original series was like a three-camera sitcom <laughs> setup, basically <laughs> this is
1: just that's right
0: it's but I will say that uh, it shows a lot of potential as someone Good. who really likes Star Trek as somebody who who spent oh God he's dollar 50 on
2: oh yeah the wow. five
0: yeah. VHS so it doesn't have the undiscovered country but this is the the five the first five Star Trek movies on VHS that I spent
1: one dollar and fifty cents on.
2: I got the yeah. original Blu-ray release sitting behind me somewhere. Excellent of the yeah. six movies, yeah.
1: Get definitely get the undiscovered country and uh, oh, in, yeah. in the yeah. only appropriate in the original Klingon.
2: <laughs> Cat <laughs> yes. take. I have so many feelings about Star Trek six, but ultimately I really enjoy it.
0: I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm reuniting with Star Trek. Right, it's been a, kind of a long process, like since the pandemic started i just they
2: need a series that takes place in the movie era for star trek is yeah that would be awesome
1: it'll happen everything gets Bring turned into classic
2: something. uniforms give us a horatio hornblow feel <laughs> there you go wow
1: I, I'm, I'm looking at the the novels right there oh wow that's awesome it's yeah, crazy i would real quick star trek the
0: next generation story before we move on but when i was uh, the original series came out what like 91 and I was a young boy and every Sunday we would watch Star Trek The Next Generation in syndication and like my parents would have like their friends over and it was it the series two finale or the season three rather that that famous cliffhanger with mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're attacking the board cube, you know, Riker mm-hmm. says fire and then it just goes to credits. We moved from where we lived in Down East, Maine to North Haven, Maine, which didn't have any cable and we only got two channels neither of which carried star trek the next generation oh, so no. i didn't have that cliffhanger resolved until i mean i knew what happened but i didn't see the resolution until about two years ago when i watched it on um on netflix so yeah, yeah. You, you could i think there would have been a way for you to watch it earlier there um, could have been but i just never got around to it but for very know, good. 20 years there was no way to know yeah how it resolved i didn't know if it worked or not didn't spoiler <laughs> it didn't
2: you didn't see the syndicated r- reruns because that's where star trek made all of its money yep. well i by
0: that time i was too cool for star trek I like,
2: oh no uh, yeah
1: well
0: very, very i'm more embarrassed about not liking star trek than i am about liking star trek
1: so that period of nice. my life yeah well so much for star trek voice chat thank <laughs> you everybody for tuning in
0: <laughs> well we'll get right into the actual nintendo stuff right now cat proving that she's an industry legend did an incredible in-depth report about how nintendo isn't exactly the the willy wonka chocolate factory of fun that we all thought it was particularly in the case of contractors not feeling like they're really welcome or they're second class citizens there's the blue badge versus the red badge red badges a full-time employee, blue badge is a contractor, and having that blue badge, I, you know, according to the report, makes those contractors feel like second-class citizens. So, Kat, would you please expound a little bit on your excellent report that everyone should read on IGN.com, by the way?
2: Yeah. Ultimately, my goal was to kind of take a snapshot of what it actually is like to work at Nintendo of America, because look. I'm on Nintendo voice chat. I'm a little bit of a Nintendo nerd. I've read books like Game Over and Console Wars and whatnot. And I have a certain fascination with what it's actually like to work at the company. So to me, this was a unique opportunity to get a glimpse of a company that is famously quite secretive. So I did my best to really paint a picture for the audience, for the reader of what it's like behind those gates, you know? And the image that I got is of a company that's kind of been in transition since the Wii U era. Um, A lot of people were saying that it's not newsworthy that Nintendo relies on contractors because this is a common issue in the tech industry. Um, But I think it's more newsworthy that Nintendo, the Nintendo Switch has been incredibly successful. But that nintendo has not especially nintendo of america has not seemingly been scaling up in kind and increasingly folks behind those walls not just contractors but full-time employees feel extremely overworked kind of overburdened um, it's creating a lot of pressure all over the place and then meanwhile the leadership often comes off as kind of heavy-handed maybe not empathetic which was exemplified by the closure of the Redwood city office, where all of the marketing has been happening. So I really wanted to dig into some of the reports and everything that was happening beyond that. Like, I do think it's actually kind of wild that there are folks who were there for 10 years going from contractor to contract to contract. And yes, they work in the call center, but they really cared about their work and they really threw everything they had into that particular job. But Nintendo just seemingly would not offer any route to full-time employment. So I really wanted to shine a spotlight on everything that's been happening there. And the story came together fairly quickly. And I ended up doing a video, which you just saw of me standing around talking about (laughs) what's going on at Nintendo. But it ended up being a, a really interesting story. And I'm glad I got to tell it
0: yeah and uh we also well we i say that as the company, but you specifically asked Reggie about it when mm-hmm. we had him on our special episode, and Reggie said basically that he, it's not really the Nintendo that he left, I believe, and he mm-hmm. was more of of a of a a people first kind of person. Did you get any sense of that from any of the people that you talked to who might have been there during the time, or were you unable to sort of talk to anybody with that sort of longevity?
2: That's a complicated question. So I read his book, we got to interview him and everything. Um, the impression that I've always gotten is that Reggie will, was kind of the, the barrier in some ways between the Japanese side, NCL and NOA. And that he w- was willing to go to bat for the folks who wanted to do things over at NOA and make things happen. And that once he went away, like things maybe changed a bit. Having said that, um, I'll respect to Reggie fils but he is, he's a marketing executive at the end of the day. And his book was definitely positioning himself in the best possible light. Uh, a lot of, of people I talked to said that the changes were starting to happen, especially in 2015, which was the kind of the nadir of the Wii U era. And that was very firmly when Reggie was still NOA president. So um, while he said categorically, no, this did not happen on my watch. And this is the response that I definitely expect from him. um, It does seem like it did happen on his watch a little bit. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, Did Nintendo ever get back to you with a statement?
2: No, I sent questions um, several days before the story went live and Uh, checked on things like what is their uh, policy around for example absent being absent because one of the things that people talked about was how strict nintendo could be about attendance and that kind of thing especially if you're a contractor and um ultimately nintendo did not respond they have not sent me any um messages so
1: label laws are tricky i don't think they will Mm-mm. You know I don't I don't think they want to put anything out there especially with contractors. I mean first of all things differ between state and state in the in the United States and then if you have international offices obviously you know Japan's very very different the UK is very very different. Um I I think it's you know contractors can become a convenience factor for companies where they're they're you kind know, of they're doing their job and they're fulfilling their roles and some of them almost feel like full-time employees and they're they're sometimes forgotten that you know their career path and maybe their options are limited and they can be strung along or they can be kept on for a long time and so i think in the last couple of years like if you go back to the early days of IGN you know we were always happy to get anybody to help us out creating content whether it was uh freelancers or contractors or um or interns back then we offered unpaid internships that's something that you know with the when when we were acquired by Ziff Davis so after the Fox days something we immediately stopped because you know they the, there are laws that have something to say about that but it also felt like um the spirit of an internship is to teach somebody someone and like if you use it if you basically it felt more like you're getting help to create your website than um you know actually training people and so i think a lot has changed certainly in the last 15 years not just in the games industry but also in media um but yeah sometimes you you know, I I think companies get get used to things just kind of functioning and seeming okay on the surface, and forget that they're, they're tiers and there's you know you need to provide feedback and career growth paths. And that's not to say you know there some in in the old days you used to make the distinction that full-time employees got full benefits and contractors don't that that's not the case anymore right there's services and um and and status statuses where contractors get that that sort of um those sort of perks as well but like there are definite big differences between how a company can treat a contractor or a full-time employee from like you know down to is it appropriate for a contractor to have a you know, have any sort of staff designation, be listed in a masthead in a publication, or have an email address like a full-time employee. All of these things are very complicated and differ from state
2: to state. Yeah, and the thing with uh, NOA is, yes, contractors do get healthcare, but that healthcare only really covers medication. It doesn't mm. cover hospitalization. And one of the stories that I didn't get managed to fit into the story because it was ultimately quite long, was one contractor telling me about how they had to be hospitalized and their insurance just did not cover that, which is a problem. And then beyond that, I just think that it's incredibly callous. This is me editorializing. I do think it's incredibly callous to deny contractors access to all of the services and amenities that are around the NOA campus. Even being able to march in things in pride, like they had to fight like hell to be able to uh, get that. They can't access things like the gym. They're chastised if they stay in the NOA headquarters mm. uh, for too long. And I'm sure there's a lot of complicated legal framework behind this, but it's understandably demoralizing. And then these contractors are doing, in a lot of cases, the same work as a lot of the full-time employees. That's- up until including being managers training in new contractors but nintendo will not give them a path to full-time employment theoretically a contractor should come in they should work for a time and the best ones get hired on and that is as far as i could tell not been happening at nintendo yeah
0: yeah it's yeah, that's, interesting that, that people would say that that wasn't newsworthy what i think you know the fact that people have been there as contractors for so long because i I've only been in this management game for a little while, you -hmm. know, but uh, I always sort of saw, see it as um, I don't want to say like a tryout period, but it's, you start as a contractor. And like you just said, if they're great, boom, there you go. You get the full-time position. And uh, I don't employ any contractors at the moment, but that's sort of where I got it in in my mind right now. So to find out that people have worked there for multiple years as, and then I, you know, they're, tr- they're being managers as a contractor training other contractors. It's just, it is pretty mind-blowing. And it does, uh, I, I definitely
1: agree with you. It does feel the yeah. callous of Nintendo. I think that, I mean, the people pushing back and who say, well, that's not news. There are lots of companies that do it. It's like, yeah, that's true. But that doesn't mean it's not newsworthy and it's not important to shine a spotlight on it. And we are, you know, we, we, we cover Hollywood as well. And there's a, you know, there's a practice still in Hollywood. They, they call it permalancers right there are also practices around movie shoots where by definition everybody on a movie is a contractor and 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 loses their job and and gets axed afterwards and only the kind of star directors and actors get multi-year contracts and all of that so uh, it's all worth looking at we can't obviously cat cannot write an article about every publisher and dig deep but you know as a you know I, i think uh We haven't read a lot about Nintendo in the past, and it is a notoriously closed-off company. Sometimes we get a glimpse at sort of like the disconnect between the U.S. and the Japanese side, or sometimes the European uh, NOE as well. And I I thought it was a really good um, tie-in also with our Reggie interview where we heard a bunch about that, right? How it was for Reggie to step into a Japanese company.
2: Yeah, and Nintendo has always been very buttoned up. And the folks that I know at Nintendo, and I know a fair number of people, um, have just told me straight up, don't even ask about Nintendo. Like, don't even talk about it. I'm not telling you anything because Nintendo is very notorious for if you say anything on social media, like you could be punished and or fired. And so people are very, uh, I would say, paranoid a little bit about what they're actually going to say. And so, to me, it's very notable that people are, in fact, starting to speak up um, in locations like social media. And I've talked to people within Nintendo as well, people who weren't willing to go on the record. And there is an un- undercurrent of dis- dissatisfaction over how Nintendo has been handling, thing- handling things in recent years, including the Redwood City office, including its treatment of contractors. And I think that all of that is fairly noteworthy and a company where people didn't even really speak up, say, during meetings. Having somebody say, I don't know about returning to the office for remote work because I can't really afford the commute. Like, even something as simple as that was a little bit verboten within Nintendo, which, especially at places like Treehouse and whatnot, is known for having a fairly positive atmosphere. So to me, the kind of the changing current and the changing temperature of how people feel um, is very noteworthy. And as I already said, Nintendo Switch is doing gangbusters. It's sold. I has it passed 100 million units at this point. yeah, it's it's uh, wild to me that Nintendo's not scaling up response.
0: 104 million, I believe. Yeah, it's it's wild, but that's that's kind of a bummer to learn that there's not Oompa Loompas you know walking around and singing songs and it's not quite that it, it's uh it, it kind of reminds me of uh, my years ago my sister-in-law got hired she was pretty young she got hired at the ball in the holiday season and they're all like oh you know those of you that perform the best we're, we're probably gonna keep you on as full-time employees she's like really excited so she worked really really hard and then as soon as the holiday rush was over they're like bye Mm. they never intended to to hire them on as full-time and i'm not saying that's what nintendo is doing with the contractors but that is immediately what i was reminded of was that holiday rush where they promise everybody just to get them to work a little bit harder and then don't fulfill their promises so
2: my favorite kind of, detail was that in the pro- uh, project testing and development area until a few years ago there were bins full of vhs tapes with old yes. plug reports that's fascinating to me. I want those VHS Because they would record so the bugs. They would record the gameplay onto VHS tapes and send them to Japan with the bug reports.
0: <laughs> they, would, they would first fax them, and then they yeah. would send the VHS. Because I, I don't know if it's Nintendo still the case. Thing. I love it. I understand but... that the fax machine is still a very important part of business in Japan. So
1: I, Look, I can tell you, as somebody who started with IGN in the 90s, I can tell you that Nintendo was one of the last publishers and i love them dearly but they were one of the last publishers to stop sending screenshots on physical slides wow
0: <laughs> no way mm-hmm. That, yeah. is, do you, please, per, please tell we, me you
1: have some of those and oh no they're they're probably at now future imagine oh. medias because it was for like next gen magazine and stuff like that but yeah wow. they they always sent physical slides um and it was uh where some of the other it, it was difficult to capture screenshots being a Nintendo editor. I can tell you that. <laughs> that I remember so when I started,
2: they still had the Wii and the uh, 3DS bolted to a desk. Oh, when they re- still do that. When I reviewed Super <laughs> Mario, well, when I reviewed one of the Super Mario games on the 3DS, I had to sit in the office on a 3DS that was literally chained to the desk as I played through the entire game. Wow. It still
1: happens.
0: This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals, so I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, The Boston Bruins home opener, I went to watch it, and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was...
2: Because I mean, now they just give us codes, so yeah. Uh, so if it, it's pretty wild, if that's what they still do.
1: Yeah, no, there's there's um, they they still have uh, some interesting pre-release rules. They're very they're very jittery, right? And they've had obviously games leaked in the past. Yeah. Um and so uh, they're definitely I I would say, out of every publisher we work out, work with, they're they're still the most complicated when it comes to pre-release software.
2: If yeah. you don't mind me saying, I feel, I am very aware of the pre-release rules and without getting too inside <laughs> baseball about this, it's strange to me that they've become very restrictive over traditional outlets, um, but they're still supporting, okay, they are still giving a lot, they're still giving some codes to influencers, they've clamped down a ton mm-hmm. on influencers in recent years, but it's always an influencer that ends up leaking it, it's not a traditional outlet, so. Well,
1: all it takes is one, right?
0: Yeah. yeah whether they're a journal then it, then it becomes news and then mm-hmm. it's you know we have an obligation yep. to report it one of the weirdest things and nintendo's not the only one that does this just but there will be details of an embargo that you can't talk about even after the game is out just like strange random little things and i always thought that was weird like don't mention level five yeah the new enemy that appears until three days after the release at 9 a.m pacific time it's so very complicated specific. rules yes mm-hmm. pretty arcane but whatever i i like to navigate those arcane rules and know, it comes straight from the what top
2: It comes right yeah. from japan yeah it's cat <sighs> what do you hope
0: comes out of your report do you think that this is shaking things up inside of nintendo
2: i think that nintendo is aware of the conversations that are happening um the day that I published my report, actually Nintendo uh, sent employees this card saying basically, welcome back to the office. We really appreciate you with some balloons and whatnot. Um, I talk about it a little bit in the article. So I think that they're kind of going, hey, employees, we think you're great. And I received a lot of messages after that article going up, um, especially from contractors saying, hey, thank you so much for shining a light on this. You know, It's been a it's been a big bad issue for several years now. Like all of this is true, and I really hope that it catches Nintendo's attention and they have to like really start thinking about it. So I, I think that's my main hope.
0: Yeah, and I hope that anyone who's listening who hasn't read the article reads the article because it is it is excellent. And it just it's like it makes me as someone who works at IGN in a completely different. It just is like proud. To work here and oh, see these like you. great this great reporting like the whole news team team has been doing it's just I mean it's a prestige thing it lifts I mean I'm look at this shirt that I'm wearing <laughs> I don't know prestige I'll, exp- I'll explain <laughs> the shirt, shirt later but- it's great. I didn't, oh, thank no, you no. I, I, this is coming in in a later segment where I explain my shirt
1: but oh, okay oh. we uh, didn't <laughs> know it was gonna go from cat's great piece to uh, the shirt well yeah no like
2: a perfect can't say enough about segue we have cat takes <laughs> and Seth segues
0: mm-hmm. right. I actually missed my op my great chance to do a segue because we're talking about was Breath of the Wild 2 spoiled kind Uh, of and we're not I'm not going to give spoilers away but basically it's it's a little bit convoluted but there's an Italian voice actor Pietro Ubaldi who gave up some details of uh, his his job with uh, Breath of the Wild 2 doing the Italian voiceover. Gave up some pretty good uh details but not nothing that you could really easily hang your hat on. It's like you could speculate <laughs> what it means, but uh without spoiling it, somebody on era spotted it and and reported it out. Basically this actor said he voices I'm not going to tell you who because mm-hmm. if you knew, it could give you clues as to the timeline of what this is. Um it some explanations as to maybe why the master sword looks all weird and messed up like that why link is in sort of a a, a roman era tunic
1: as opposed to a more medieval he plays julius King. caesar so play- that there the cats out of the ba- bag now it's actually it's been ancient rome all to tingle yes no but like i you seth and i read the piece and i'm not someone who usually ventures into spoiler pieces but like i I gotta say, I love my Zelda games dearly. It's my favorite franchise of all time, but like the stories are never to a point where they're so eventful and so mysterious that I care so deeply about the plot details that I don't want to know anything. I figure, I I don't know, I'm I'm sure there are lots of people who say, don't tell me anything and so obviously we won't, but it's like to me it's like minor stuff, and then there's the added layer of, does the voice actor actually have the full picture and know what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Cause, you know, voice actor voice
0: acting is mostly just done in a booth. You're not mm-hmm. I mean, there are cases where the cast will be together to do a scene, but by and large, most voice acting is just done. You read your lines, mm-hmm. the, hey, thanks, go, I'll see you next time. Then the next actor comes in, they read their lines and it's all mixed yep. together in post. So they don't necessarily even have any context to what is actually happening. So I do agree there. He might be reading a little much into it that it isn't actually there, but Cat, yep. do you have any opinions? Do you have any <laughs> mini-takes?
2: Do I have any mini-takes? No cat take is a mini-take, Seth. Um,
0: Whoa.
2: What that Pair is, was uh, saying, that's
0: our new t-shirt. <laughs>
2: uh, what Pear was saying I think is accurate. Uh, Nintendo fans are fascinated with the Zelda mythos, I suppose, in the story. Um, and I think it kind of ties into why people are also fascinated with Elden Ring, which is to say that less is more when it comes to these kinds of worlds. And so, because it's so striking, because it's so stylistically interesting, because characters like Link and Zelda are so cool, people want to know as much as possible about these, which has fueled all the Zelda timeline speculation and the Hyrule Historia and all of that stuff. And we're seeing it again with Breath of the Wild 2, because even though Breath of the Wild didn't really have that big of a story it had one of the most interesting settings Mm -hmm. in the zelda mythos and of course breath of the wild 2 is going to be building up on that so Mm -hmm. i fully expect that when breath of the wild 2 comes out that we'll get a 30 minute video explaining all the lore and all of the connections (laughs) between this and breath of the wild and the rest of the zelda games and you know what that's great Yep. Go fans, you do it. And, and then
1: a game <laughs> later, everything you thought you understood will be thrown over a heap again. You know, look at Hyrule Warriors and how that was supposed to uh, impact the Yoval story. And that was a big deal. And then it goes record scratch and it's all undone. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that's why I, that's why I don't take the interconnected storyline of Zelda very seriously. But I also, I also know that a lot of it is retconned. And the... The Zelda games just weren't created as a coherent lore setup for many, many years. I mean, for yeah. decades until, you know, somebody worked very hard to put them all in order and figure out how it all fits together. And then obviously Nintendo started playing to that sort of setup yep. and, and added in the gaps. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I got in trouble a on a previous episode maybe months and months ago. Mm -hmm. uh people were pretty mad because i said i thought the that the timeline that they invented to just squeeze into hyrule historia was silly and uh, (laughs) people were very mad at me and so i want to go on the record to say i still think it's kind of silly because i don't care (laughs) if they all are interconnected i don't need that explanation and i believe this is the same thing about the star wars prequels i didn't need to know how darth vader became darth vader Mm. i was fine just imagining that there was something that happened that turned. I actually think know.
1: it made it worse, and you know, I I enjoy parts of the prequels, but like I sometimes filling in all those gaps makes things yeah. worse. It's yeah. like you know they they did they did this with uh, with a solo movie too. It's like. Did we, Did they really uh, have to tell us that that someone picked his name because he's alone? No, yeah, like it no, could that have was... been an alien language, or right? Like what? The next movie is gonna go like, oh, look at that man! It looks like he's yeah. walking on the air, like some sort of Skywalker. You know, it's like we don't need <laughs> yeah. these facts. I agree with you. And by the way, you're you're fine talking crap about the Zelda um, storyline. Just don't do it about Metal Gear because people will find you.
0: Oh well, I would never do it about Metal Gear because I actually like the convoluted nature of Metal Gear. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's half the appeal to me. Common then. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I mean I always used to talk crap on Metal Gear Solid Two because I never understood it until Max Scoville was like, one of the bosses is a rollerblading bomb expert, and for whatever reason that unlocked something in my brain, and I replayed it, and I was like,
2: yeah, Max is right, this is great.
0: Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) So there it is. Yeah.
2: When I think of someone like Darth Vader, I think says. about, <laughs> I think of the contrast with a Joker, who, you know, had multiple origin stories, and even then is still a little bit hazy. Maybe Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is the actual origin story. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think that Darth Vader was cool until we learned what his actual backstory was. And then he yeah. kind of became a little bit lame. Sorry. Yeah. I don't like the Darth Vader redemption arc. That's my cat take for today we're making so
0: many people so upset right now no, but I, and i sorry right, anyone who was born after 1990 is furious you know right now. it's
2: okay for him to be the terminator it's okay for him <laughs> to just be like full-on evil and a force yeah. of terror well and i mean they, they, they point out brought him back a little bit with that in obi-wan but you yeah know.
0: they point out in uh, one of the Plinkett reviews that like you know he was just a henchman he was just this evil guy who served the the uh the purpose of the emperor and that was kind of all of his role was and then he be, just became the central figure of the wow we did star trek and star wars on this <laughs> okay. episode talk smack about yeah. both of them but
1: bringing it back to zelda i mean the legend of zelda series has its darth vader prequel moment right where we do get to meet ganondorf and he goes but no, no he did thankfully he didn't but um no but the, i i thought I thought that worked, right? Like yeah. you, They didn't introduce Ganondorf as a little child with hopes and aspirations <laughs> of world peace and, you know, talking about his mom a lot.
2: Yippee! Ganondorf now was, this is was pod the, racing.
1: was a thief already. And he, you know, like one look at his face, you're like, that guy's up to no good. And it was very consistent and coherent. And so...
2: You don't even so, really know that much about him when nope. you see him. Like the first time you see him was when he's kneeling to Zelda. She's like, that guy's kind of bad. And you're like... Oh, yeah. who is this guy? Yeah, and, like he you throws get that glance. of his backstory, but you know, oh,
0: man, mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> so there it is. uh The prequels are bad, and so is the Zelda timeline. You heard of him <laughs> wow, Correct all mail to nvb today. at ign.com So, yeah, Breath of the Wild two might have been spoiled. If you want to see what it was, it's not like major, but you can read that story on the site. Uh oh, guess what's happening all over again. TVs are getting smashed. <sighs> oh no, Switch Sports is causing the destruction oh. of people's televisions, not by a Wiimote, which is much heavier than uh, a, a, a Joy-Con. God, I couldn't, I almost called it a Switch The, uh, the Switch Motes are breaking those poor TVs. Now, the difference here is that in 2006, if you threw your Wiimote through your plasma screen TV, that was $4,000 to replace. Whereas now, just go to Walmart. It's like get a new TV for like $300. It's 55 inches and has 4K resolution. Look, cat. There's the famous cat video of a shoe moment. almost the, the going cat through kick. the cat kick going through one of Nintendo's probably actually several thousand dollar televisions. That looked like
1: an 82 mm-hmm. inch TV. So. It- that is, I think that's a very expensive TV. But yeah, it, it. I I was saying, is it 2006 again? What what's going on here? Um, the, uh, some some uh, kid shared a video of him throwing the controller into his monitor and then shows his monitor, and it's it's got a big old broken broken gap oh, wow. in it now. And it's like, first of all, the remotes, uh, the the Joy-Con are hard, right? They're yeah. Nintendo adjusted to some of that. Bad press back with the Wii by, you know, issuing the, the, the soft covers or as they were called the, the condoms. Yeah, the, yes. the Wii remote condoms. And um, we, we, th- that's not going to work here. And so they keep on reminding everybody, make sure to put that strap on and obviously um, keep your shoes on. They can't really control that. um right but it's gonna happen they did change some things too right like the way bowling works you don't release the button because they don't want you to open your hand in any way right like when you're doing bowling you just push you don't go push and release so they thought about it very very hard but cat's just too good for them yeah (laughs) used her shoe actually i have switched sports i'm very excited
0: to play it i just haven't had a chance to play it yet i played it also i just got a new tv and now i'm really scared I want to ruin my TV. Be
2: careful. I mean, they,
0: yeah, they want you to use the wrist straps. I don't know that that those get thrown into a drawer immediately huh. after opening the switch. I don't know where those things are. Come on,
1: I have so many.
0: Well, yeah, you also have <laughs> every
1: Joy-Con ever made. I have color so. matched ones where they exist. Oh, ah, the straps really you can cool. you can still find them. They the early ones that they manufactured because the coloring was. The the plastic is different, so the colors don't actually match. So they're mm-hmm. a little harder to find now, but you can still find them. Oh. Well th- mm-hmm. those Seth, would be how have expensive-
2: you not had to replace your Joy-Cons given the Joy-Con drift issue? Uh well, I actually
0: got very lucky. My original ones started drifting while I was reviewing Octopath Traveler. And I just mm-hmm. this was before dr- Drift was like a known issue. I just thought, oh, I got unlucky. It's sort of like when my, my three sixty red ringed before that became an issue. I was like, oh. Damn the luck, but uh no, we bought several pair since then. Like they're just yes easy oh. Christmas presents to give to the kids. And then I upgraded to the OLED, and we also got the kids the Let's Go Pokemon edition one year for Christmas. So we have plenty of Joy-Con, and only two of the probably six pair that we have. Uh, that's actually not that's not great.
1: <laughs> I'm saying it only, two. only two. Yes, yeah. no, it's a lot. Uh, I I. You know i i i probably would have more drifters if i switched joycon more often and played yeah. more of the old ones but i have one currently that went bad again so <sighs> gotta send that one in it's still not so, still not solved i'm
0: uh i'm also lucky that one of my pair that did develop drift was cured with just a squirt of uh contact cleaner Good. so that, that one happens. yes so, because sometimes the drift is caused by a hardware issue. Sometimes the drift is just caused by there's just gunk inside of there jamming up the works. Get a little contact cleaner at Home Depot. Psh, psh. Beautiful. Forget about. it. <laughs> you have to make that sound, otherwise you it won't work. It's like a magic sound. spell. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when you have tongs and you have to click them together three times. That's right. So yeah, people's mm-hmm. people's TVs are getting ruined. Don't ruin your TV, please. But if you do, watch IGN Deals for all the best deals on new. Perfect sets.
2: commerce pitch. By the hey, way, when
1: Walmart- you said. When you said TVs are getting smashed again, I thought you were going to talk about a, an announcement of oh. a new Smash TV game, but sadly. Oh, that would be awesome. No, sadly, that didn't happen. No. Oh. That would be a great buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh. Who who uh, was that? That was so a Midway now game,
2: right? RoboCop, Star Trek, Star Wars. It's the yeah. 80s here at IGN. We're, we're going really
0: old school. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on. Somebody's, somebody's calling me on my phone right here
2: oh, oh no. nice oh
1: nice very good very good see this
2: is why nice. you watch the video so that you can see what <laughs> seth is seth's amazing old school phone with all of the in- internal workings revealed
0: yeah i wanted one of these more than anything else in the 90s and just never got one so i found it at the thrift store for a dollar and i bought it cleaned it up and you can you can actually get adapters to make it work with cell phone service so i could just oh, have wow. it So when my cell phone would ring, you'd just pop in a SIM card and it would ring on this. And I am...
2: That phone was like the old school Game Boy Color with the... the Yeah, it's the same era
0: when when, uh, you know after the iMac came out and translucent plastic Mm. was the thing in the 90s. So you got everything was translucent. The Game Boy Advance, the Nintendo 64, this phone. We had an iron that had translucent plastic parts on it. HP had one of the ugliest computers ever trying to uh get on that imac action i had that imac the imac dv and i don't anymore and i'm kicking myself hmm. yeah that was such a great little computer i spent twenty five hundred dollars on
1: that computer
2: oh my god i have the yep.
1: smoky i have the smoky see-through n64 still somewhere oh, oh I have the purple that was one. the
2: best one yep
1: I know, I like that
0: orange one a whole heck of I always like oh, the yeah, Spice cool. Orange consoles. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, bring that back. It is starting to come back, the, the translucent stuff. But yep. just bring it back for me personally.
2: All right. Let's talk
0: about five things we learned from Reggie's book, which is out right now. Um, we have an interview with Reggie on the NBC feed. You can see it on the uh, IGN Games channel. In fact, here's a little clip. Well, the, the 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 meme that I use the most currently on my Twitter feed is from uh, Fisamec, right? That that video uh, that we did uh, as a pre E3 announcement. So Reggie as Fisamec taking off the dark glasses and shooting laser beams. That is that's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite meme.
1: Your, your pin wearing strategies have also become very uh, famous, obviously over over the years, and people always read something into you wearing a pin. So even putting on an Earthbound pin would just spiral out of control and turn into all these rumors. And I would be I would be neglecting our our um our NVC fan group if I didn't ask Reggie. Do you think Nintendo will ever release Mother Three in English, or is that just a game we should? We should just walk away from it. all right that clip
0: hopefully gave you a, a little taste and you want some more so go check out that whole interview it's really awesome reggie was amazing um one of the things we learned remember when the 3ds came out it was 250 dollars, and nobody bought it guess who said we shouldn't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> it was reggie reggie wanted it to be 199 dollars from the launch and he fought pretty hard for it and of course we saw how time proved that he was Correct, but Per, did you buy that launch? Were you were you an ambassador? Either one of you? Of
1: course, of course, I bought <laughs> it. And you know, I there's always this because I because I own all the consoles and play on so many different systems. I never I never get as cranky when there's not a lot of launch software or you know like I'm when you have to wait a little bit to get the fullest out of one of those machines, but. It did, seem, it did seem pricey, you know, given the, the tech that was in the box. Uh, and I was really happy with the ambassador program. And Reggie obviously talked about that a bit in our interview as well and in, in, in the book. But like, I thought that was a really cool and unique thing to be able to have all those games for free on the system.
0: Yeah, could you, I guess for people who maybe weren't around for that era, could you
1: explain a little bit what the ambassador program was? It was a make good where you basically (laughs) got a bunch of uh, GBA games, right? Um, Like Nintendo's best, I have to look up what the full list was, but basically Nintendo's best games for free. And you got this kind of ambassador section and status badge um, in, in your system. Um, and that's, that was something that they never made available to people who didn't, uh, who weren't early adopters. So, you know, it was, a, it was a cool bonus. And if you have one of these old ambassador systems, you get something special. Yeah. So Kat, were you an when ambassador? When GamePro
2: shut down in 2011, I got the 3DS, the launch 3DS that they had used as a review unit. So I was eligible to be in the ambassador program but i procrastinated and never signed up for it and as a result i did not get access to master games and now i'm like whatever but at the time i was so mad i'm like what have i done could have had wario land 2 for free (laughs) yeah
1: so here yeah here's the list of games so they had the the there's the nes game so mario brothers metroid zelda zelda 2 balloon fight ice climber nes open golf donkey kong jr yoshi and wrecking crew and then the gba ones Metroid Fusion. Wouldn't that be a nice one to have on your Switch there? Mario mm-hmm. versus da- Donkey Kong, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Yoshi's Island, WarioWare, Minish Cap, Fire Emblem, Sacred Stones, Wario 4, F Zero Maximum Velocity, and Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. So, actually, really, really good games that you would want and want to have on your system. So, it was a good make good. Um, and, you know, given for what Nintendo used to sell those games still in virtual console dollars back then, it was a really good value too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i was extremely
0: jealous of my friend who had one at launch and then i was very jealous because he got the ambassador program i didn't get a 3ds for quite a while because even then 199 was a little (laughs) a little bit of a reach for me
2: it got good when the 3ds xl came out
0: yeah oh i love i have actually have the new 3ds xl which replaced
1: uh, a regular 3ds and i love i still have it I can tell you. I mean, like the 3DS had its moment in time, and it's kind of hard to replicate now. But when it first came out, I remember we did a we did a client lunch at E3 where we invited all sorts of advertisers from outside of gaming, right? And the three we Nintendo actually um, gave us a bunch of 3DSs to show off at that luncheon, and so uh, and and uh, someone from Nintendo joined to explain the system. So it was this cool cool kind of partner event. And I tell you everybody was completely mesmerized by the 3DS's AR stuff. Oh, and when yeah. When they showed the kind of like how the 3D visuals work with, you know, things moving around uh, and and the, you know, kind of like the, what the, was the, the kind of face stuff, the integration. Oh, yeah. um, everybody everybody thought it was the coolest thing. And I think everyone who left that lunch and there were like 100 people, they all, all bought a 3DS after that. It was wow. so cool and different and convincing to most people it didn't matter that there weren't that many games at launch
2: yeah uh to return to the reggie stuff um yes i don't doubt that he was stumping for a lower price point and then ultimately got overruled by nintendo but it does with all due respect to reggie smack a little bit of him saying if they had just listened to me we could have avoided (laughs) all of this horror (laughs) <laughs> well yeah
1: you're not getting the stories where you know he said yeah. let's do this and it didn't work out right and and that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's his prerogative to f- to focus yeah. on kind of like he's trying to teach a lesson with this book too and he goes constantly through the if you firmly believe you're right you know stick to your guns kind of um story in there but yeah i'm sure well i'm sure that things us- went went wrong where people thought they were right let's look yeah. at the wii u era right And that kind of
0: brings us to the next thing we learned, which was that there was a huge debate about adding Wii Sports to Wii as a packing game. Because I think that I don't know the exact quote, but Mr. Miyamoto said, like, we shouldn't, you know, all these people worked on this. We shouldn't give it away for free. That undervalues the people who put their work in there. But Reggie, like, you know, Kat has mentioned many times, was a marketing guy and was like, no, (laughs) we have to put this in. This is what's going to sell the Wii to. People who maybe don't understand video games. I mean, he's was completely right. I mean, the Wii was is now the fifth best selling console of all time since the Switch has has passed it. But yeah. Imagine the world that we're where seeing, Wii Sports
1: didn't come. We're seeing ancient footage footage. Look, there's like Mark Bozon and Matt Casamusina and everybody as in me form uh playing golf hilarious and an old ign logo the old ign watermark I know, that's so funny <laughs> um no like i obviously the packing strategy was was great and as reggie pointed out um you know cat asked him some awesome questions in our interview and nvc fans if you haven't seen it uh it's hosted on our main youtube channel youtube.com slash ign uh, rather than the ign games one where the nvc episodes are so please watch that it was really entertaining but uh, that's an amazing story. We don't know what would have happened if Wii Sports hadn't been packed in. Would people have gone out and everybody would have still bought it? Would retailers have always packaged it with it to get more money out of consumers? We don't know any of that. What we do know is it it made packing it in made the Wii the success that it yeah. is in that case. And like that's the timeline we know. And and it became one of the most played console games of all time. There's no way around that. Yep. Reggie was right about that, but he was wrong about this next one.
0: Reggie didn't want the Game Boy Micro; he was not a fan of it. I
1: might have something. Mean, to what do you do mean he it? was wrong? I mean, nobody bought it. Well, it's, <laughs> but it's so wonderful and lovely. It was his story to- was
2: that he showed up and discovered that the GBA Micro was already in development, and it was a case of a left hand not knowing what the right hand was doing because i mean come on the gba was pretty much done by the time that thing came out and he was like why is this thing happening it's just kind of happening on the side and then it, by the time everybody kind of learned about it it was so far along that they're like oh, i guess you got to put this thing on the market or something but I, I okay so i don't really care about the game boy micro it, game boy Advance micro it was kind of a cool novelty i yes i, I like bigger screens rather than much yeah. smaller screens but it was defiantly Nintendo. And yeah. so in that sense, I kind of appreciate it.
1: I really like it. it, it and because the screen is so small, the visuals, it, it looks super sharp and nice. It yeah. has this really cool, tiny form factor. It's got the face plates. The and Face like, plates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good luck trying to get those now. They're very expensive oh, on eBay oh as well. Oh my God. I, yeah, I was going to say. I got, a, I got a couple of GB micros. I love that little machine. But... The moment they announced the price point, we all knew it was going to tank like i think I think in Japan, it could have been a cool little jacket pocket device um you know the, like this whole there there was a bit of a fad of micro devices and you know things that you're dangling from your cell phones, and nowadays cell phones no longer have that little hook on the corner to let you dangle things from it but i <laughs> I thought from that perspective having a a micro Gba was a good idea, but it wasn't small enough for that, and it certainly wasn't cheap enough to be a success. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. But, I wish I had and, bought one. And also, you know, I spent uh, a week with Reggie in the studio. The man has big hands, and like yes. I, I'm going, I'm going to tell you the micro is tiny, and so for people with big hands, that machine is probably unplayable.
0: A lot reggie of people think huge yeah oh people God. think that that picture is um andre the giant holding that beer canvas is actually reggie it's actually
1: reggie's oh, hands
2: i've yeah. only been in the presence of reggie once but i remember that he was like twice as tall as i was <laughs> yeah I, I i think you I added it.
0: some uh,
1: some some feet
0: there no, i'm a <laughs> tall guy and reggie was at 2008 e3 2018 and i was about five feet away from him. And I was like, whoa, that, that is, and he's not just, hes not that he's tall. He's like, he's hulking. He, he looks like he could break anyone in half. He's, he's a large man. <laughs> a nice guy though. Uh, a little bit on the more sad side, he visited uh, Iwata in the hospital, which is culturally not something that coworkers in Japan actually do. And this sort of, uh, I, I want to say like the hack, but that sounds terrible. The, the way he got around, it, he says, well, I'm not visiting him as a coworker. I'm visiting him as a friend. And it was, it was pretty touching. And you learn a lot about how close they were in this book, which, you know, I mean, everybody loved Iwata, so it's, it's extra sad that way. But, uh, on a little bit weirder note, we also learned that Reggie called the Nintendo counselors hotline for help in link to the past. And as someone who used to beg his parents to let him call, I understand what Reggie was going through because it had to be a, a video game emergency for my parents to foot the bill. For that long distance call because that's how old i am it wasn't a 900 number then it was a, a, a seattle long distance call you were calling a seattle area code and some nice nintendo game counselor would pick up and give you a uh, sort of a vague answer as to uh how to get around the problem or in the case of star tropics since i rented it they just told me the the frequency because i didn't have the was it on the box or was it no that was metal gear it was in the um instruction manual so
2: did you ever call the, uh, the hotline?
1: I didn't remember. I grew up in Germany too, so uh, I, I don't even know if we had that one. Somebody, I, somebody tell me, probably.
2: My main memory of calling the hotline well, yep. what you would do is you'd call it and you would have to be on hold for quite a while, and you would listen to Nintendo advertisements, which was even more mm. sneaky. So they're paying, they're billing you for being on that call and they're giving you advertisements. And then finally, you get your 30 second chat with the, the counselor. And at the time I was playing my first ever Zelda, which was Link's Awakening. And I did not understand even the basic concepts of how to play Link's Awakening, like push the block to open the door, (laughs) kill all the enemies in a room and you get the key. So I'd be like, where the heck is the key? I don't know what to do. (laughs) And then the game counselor patiently walked me through it. It was very helpful. But my parents then looked at the phone bill and were like, what the heck is this? (laughs) Maybe I didn't tell them about that. (laughs) Ooh. Wow,
1: I, I remember it, in the, you know, in the early IGN days, um, I launched IGN Guides. So IGN used to have an affiliate called Game Facts. You know, they're part of Red Media now. Uh, so a, a, a partner site, but not owned by IGN. And there was one called Game Sages. And Game Sages was an affiliate and we bought it. So that became IGN Cheats. And it became the foundation for our game help section. And so I launched IGN Guides back in the 90s. Um, you know, doing bigger guides with laid out. Some of them are still there. Some of them are lost now. And uh, I really wanted to make a helpline. I love that concept so much. I wanted to do it with with chat and, you know, asking people oh, yeah. questions. But I couldn't, couldn't find out how to make that work from a, just from a money perspective for it to pay itself. And like at the time, you know, people just didn't want to transmit credit card information over the web either. Yeah. But hey, never say never. Maybe someday. Yeah, you, get, you just call up Miranda, and she'll just. That's tell right. You, yeah, we that's we actually, we about actually thought about that too. Whether we should have our guides writers just stream live as they're writing strategy guides and answer questions in chat. Oh, for that would be get stuck. really cool, actually. But it's very difficult, then people would get stuff spoiled. Well, all the I still time think when they're tuning in.
0: And I'm going to say this now on air, so that everyone can bombard pair. Uh, with questions about i still think we should uh release some physical guides every now and then just just for fun for collecting speaking of not
1: being able to make money with something seth
0: (laughs) it could be part of igm prime it could be a perk if you're a prime or excuse me igm plus which is publishing
1: uh, business got unfortunately the guides outside of the premium ones that got got killed that's what i'm saying these are still working working um
0: hope they would be a collectible item like you know vinyl people don't buy vinyl because they want to listen to it they buy vinyl well that's not true some people do but a lot of people buy it because it's just interesting a collectible connor has never no played a record in his life he is dying to get the new title of the creator on replace
1: replace the words a lot with a few (laughs) <laughs> a few people want those collectible things. That's the yes. reality. And it's still viable in smaller countries, like in the UK, the, the print, yeah. the gaming, games magazine print business is still in a different state than over here. But yeah, it's difficult, right? Per, difficult if, you don't, make money.
2: per if you don't mind me saying, and Run Games has made a pretty good business out of doing uh, those kinds of collectibles. They just opened a physical true. store. It's, it's and, small. And they have a publishing business. And yes, they are small, but yeah. it is viable.
1: They're I don't want to bore our thought, listeners though. I don't want to bore our listeners with uh, margins, but you know we are our parent company likes to operate its businesses at near 40 percent margin, and like time you add any physical stuff to it, it's very difficult to make that happen.
0: 41% markup. Boom. This is why all right. I work <laughs> okay, in the wait. commerce department.
1: <laughs> Manufacturing things its very expensive. That's why so yes. many publishers love launching subscription services that they're making you subscribe to. Yep. Exactly.
0: All right. Cat, you have a cat take this week or another cat take, I should say.
2: Um. Yeah, I have a couple of cat takes, but
0: Whoa.
2: I'll start with the big one. Um, it. Is it all right if I talk about the MCU for just a hot second? Yes. Oh. Yeah uh are y'all
1: don't spoil don't spoil dr strange
2: i'm not spoiling anything are y'all gonna go see dr strange i'll
0: probably see it eventually yeah uh
2: i just want to say that i loved dr strange it was terrific um i really enjoy media that has its own voice and its own style and its own tone and this is such a sam raimi film okay so i loved wandavision wandavision was great and I love, and I've come to really like Wanda Maximoff as a character. She's a big part mm-hmm. of this movie. And oh. I, yeah. So like those two things just made me really, really, really enjoy it. I think it's going to be a little bit divisive mm-hmm. ultimately having seen it. Uh, I think there was going to be a lot of discussion about a lot of d- different things. I, I don't think it's quite what people are expecting, but uh, you should go read our review of Dr. Strange on the website, but yeah no i i really really enjoyed it and here's my my cat take i think that it is the best marvel movie since thor ragnarok whoa okay. yeah i uh i wow. saw spider-man no way home just recently yeah didn't really care for it and i speak as somebody who really enjoyed homecoming okay. because no way home had its moments but also it was really long and the back half especially was so focused on the lore nods and the Easter eggs and the banter between the three Spider Men, and I kind of was got a little tired of it at a certain point. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you, all the fanboyish stuff. I Whereas, loved
1: it. I well, it's,
2: like it's it. fun. It's so I'm not going to drag uh, lore nods. I like continuity nods too, but when you build an entire movie around it, like that's the soul of it. Eh. But so I think so that... this is
1: this is not it. This is like when yeah. I looked at it, and I I really don't want to know anything about the story there. But like I thought it was going to be a lot of because of the multiverse angle, it was going to be a lot of member berries and connections and all of that. But it's but it's great. It's not kludgy. It and
2: it has some moments that made me go, wow, I can't believe they did that. So okay, I, oh, all right, yeah, okay. all right. which I thought was pretty cool. Right. So I'm not going to say anything more about that. I just the thing that I like is. I do actually like the character arcs in the MCU. Like I really liked what they did with Iron Man and Captain America and Thor. And to a lesser extent now, Dr. Strange and Wanda, like, I think that these are all fun and interesting characters. as I already said, Wanda has become probably my favorite current character in the MCU. And that's because she has an arc, she has an emotional Mm. background that maybe goes beyond a lot of the usual motivations in a, in the Marvel film. And so I think I care about that kind of stuff, the emotional resonance, a lot more than, say, you know, moving the timeline ahead or, mm-hmm, right. uh, you know, the big Easter eggs and everything. So that's why I grabbed my me personally.
0: Nice. I'm looking Sweet. forward well, to it. I'm really yes. excited. Thanks. You said you Thanks. had more than one cat take, though.
2: My, my smaller cat take is go Minnesota Wild. Heck yeah. Oh. Hockey playoffs. Here we go.
0: I don't know what oh, I is. wore my Boston Celtics hat in support of my <laughs> beloved Boston Celtics, who, on this show, I said probably weren't going to make it to the finals, and now are playing the Bucks. So, and won
1: last time, Heck which yeah. I I don't know what any of those things are.
2: It's uh, uh, you take the this Minnesota ball. Wild, and are a really you... good and fun NHL team. Okay, yeah. So and the Boston Rocky.
0: Celtics are a legendary Rocky. basketball game uh, team right. from uh, from Boston, Massachusetts. And yeah, next yeah. time we'll talk uh, Formula One, then. I, I would love to talk Formula Damn. One. I love, I mean, auto, I love right sports. now,
2: My soccer team, West Ham United, is playing Eintracht Frankfurt. So there's your German connection right there.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Very good.
2: Europa League semifinal. Come on.
1: Sorry. You nerd! You nerds. Yeah. You should do something <laughs> less nerdy like video games. Well, that's a perfect segue. We'll talk oh.
0: about the video games that we've been playing. But first, I want to talk about IGN playlists. If you missed a game, that's something that we get in the comments a lot, actually is like, what was that game they were talking about? What, why did, why don't you say Casey used to do it? She would say the name. And of course I'm not as good of a host as Casey was <laughs> when it comes to that, especially, but if you did miss the game, we have IGN playlists that have a full list of every game on every show that we've talked about. And that includes, you know, game scoop, uh, podcast beyond podcast Unlocked, other shows that I don't haven't even launched yet. Um, and NVC. So if, you want to go back and see what games we were talking about? There's a playlist. You can make your own playlist. You can and track games however you like. It's a really cool feature. It is live right now on the site. So please go check it out. Pair, what is on your
1: playlist for this week? On my playlist. And by the way, yes, do do make yourself a playlist. It's just ign.com/playlist. And what you can do private stuff where you just track the games that you're playing and I want to call on our Nintendo fans. Please please um, do uh, do register some games as playing because I'm looking at the top played games list and Nintendo is very underrepresented with uh, Breath of the Wild is up there at number two, but Elden Ring number one, Horizon mm. Forbidden West, lots of people playing Zero Dawn still, Red Dead Redemption, God of War. So get, get in there, mark some games as playing. You can do that from any article or just go to IGN.com slash playlist and start adding some stuff to your playing list. That's IGN.com slash playlist. I know we sound like an infomercial here, but uh, <laughs> actually I'm going to refer to my my life playlist right now. Uh, so I, I talked a bunch about the games that I'm playing last week, so I'm not going to go back to like far changing tides. Um, you know, I finished uh, Dreadrock uh, last week already. I'm still playing triangle strategy and unpacking all that stuff. I'm going to talk about that, but I am playing Nintendo sports. You know, got that uh, uh, obviously before the weekend, and started to play it. And even though we should have gone to bed, I stayed up till like two a.m. with my <laughs> sons playing it in multiplayer. Aww. And um, yeah, it was, it was it was beautiful. My my wife being angry that we're making so much noise and trying to sleep, and we were goofing off. It was um, it it's fun. It's just like, it's like an old glove that fits and you just start playing and you realize how cool the mechanics, especially in bowling were. Now, I think there's some tweaks that could have done, you know, the, I, I missed some of the goofy announcer voices and all of that. And, and, you know, even the, the kind of. Having your me's show up, we we got too lazy and just didn't create create them for for my sons because they're sitting on their switches and they of course can't remember their their logins and all of that. So so we just kind of uh, sped through that. But um, yeah, everything everything feels good. Everything is in tight entertaining. They whacked each other with sticks a bunch and enjoyed right. that too. So it's a yeah, it's a really good game. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, and then- I'm excited to bust it out with the kids. I'm playing with this one. Ooh, oh, let the record those... show. I'm showing... Wait, left is right. right is Wait, left. are you yes. playing Min... ARMS? Let the, uh, yeah, I have, have an ARMS uh, amiibo here. And that's because Min Min finally came out and shipped. And thanks to Noel for helping me catch one because it was difficult to get a pre-order in. Yeah, And now you can walk into some stores and find uh, Min Min.
2: And Justice for Min have, Min.
1: You can have little battles between your characters.
2: Link, link. I'm The baby, the baby, the baby, the baby. ramen.
1: You can do all sorts of fun stuff with your uh, with your amiibo, because your Madness. Yeah, there really isn't a lot of use for bin because no, no. there haven't been a ton of games with amiibo support lately. And by the way, speaking of IGN playlist, I made a list of all games that support amiibo. Maybe oh, I'll share that wow. sometime. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. You Great. want to see that? Sweet, mm-hmm. Kat. What have you been up to? Please don't judge me. I'm don't. not. No, never.
2: So I was taking the train to the IGN office the other day, and I looked over at, and I saw somebody sitting on a, playing this mobile game that was really gorgeous. It had these fantastic anime visuals and anime cut-ins. And i the only thing you need to do to get into my heart is to have really good anime cut-ins <laughs> and some sprite race graphics and some team building with some RPG elements. And that's how I got hooked on a game called Epic seven, which is a gotcha game, okay. free to play. Clicking on all of the things, getting all the characters. It's pure anime nonsense, but it's really pretty pure anime nonsense. And so (laughs) that has become what I've been hooked on. Because frankly, I was super head down all week, uh, burning the midnight oil, getting this Nintendo uh, article up. So I haven't really had time to play anything. But with this uh, this mobile game, I was able to hit auto and let it play itself. (laughs) <laughs> wow on my ipad while i worked yeah that's where i am that's how it's far t- i've fallen y'all
1: it's tough to not judge you right now i have to i'm yeah I I'm, I'm i'm not judging this is a
0: judgment-free zone this oh, is, thank if you, you're watching SC, the video this is
2: why you're the best yeah
0: you're if you're watching the video i can see i can see why this is appealing because
2: it's, it's kind pretty. of appealing to me oh my god it but, looks so good yeah
1: i can that's epic seven. Epic seven game. Okay. Yeah. I gotta. I gotta make sure to add that to the IGN
2: playlist. It's by Smilegate, yeah. the people who did Lost Ark. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, they're pretty good, actually.
0: Well, I said I was going to explain why I'm wearing this this shirt right here, and it's because it's not really what I've been playing. I'll get to that, but I went and saw Weird Al Yankovic in concert, and Heck I spent yeah. a horrific mm-hmm. amount of money on this shirt. That is just full of references to uhf like there's the wait left is right there's the twinkie dog um there's checkered vans there's an accordion there's his little hamster there's you know weird al himself is popping out in a few places on this shirt i when i bought the shirt i asked the the guy at the merch table i was like does that you know run a little large or a little small he goes well it, it runs a little large so i sized down i got a large the large in this shirt is about a 2xl because this is the biggest shirt that i own right now and like i said i spent a lot of money if you've ever been to a concert you know merch is the sweetest plum and they charge a lot of money for that but the week before actually right after last week's nvc my wife and i drove down to portland maine to the merrill auditorium and we saw steve-o's bucket list tour and that was a minute there's a picture of me with steve-o after the show and i don't want to say like i because like steve-o was like dude you're cool it was because i paid for the vip tickets and you get to meet him uh-huh. but the best nice. thing was i was like oh my god i have five seconds with steve-o he's like getting ready to take the selfie and i was like oh dude just like you i started in big big brother skateboarding too and he's like really and i was like oh my god steve is steve asking me a question he's like what did you write i said it was a cd review he says what was the cd and i was like oh my god steve-o asked me another question i was like i don't remember because they were arbitrary and uh and i said uh it was just like a story about how i went to school with stephen king's son he's like who set that up was it dave carney and i was like oh my god steve just asked me three questions in a row i just had a conversation a with conversation now. it was a real conversation he was like yeah that guy's cool and i was like yeah he is say hi to him for me and then i walked away and i was like why did I say that at the end? Like steve is going to go back to the <laughs> former editor of a magazine that's been defunct for twenty years and be like, "Hey, I met this dude on the road. He says hi." <laughs> so, well, yeah, that was my uh my concert story.
1: I I think steve-o will tell all his grandchildren about you.
0: I'm sure he will. Yeah, yeah, I'm no. sure he was. That's uh, that lovely. Was, it was really cool. And uh, Steveo, the show, if if it's coming to your town, uh, it was not what I expected at all. It was. Stuff that YouTube, MTV, and Paramount would have flat out rejected for just being too disgusting and, and uh, borderline pornographic. So okay, all right, yeah, you brought a the lot kids of naked. No, no, it was eighteen and over. Oh, okay. And uh, when the show tickets went on sale, Connor was not eighteen yet. Okay. So, and as far as games, I've been playing. I've, uh, I got a copy of Faxanadu. I know it's technically it's Fa Xanadu because it's the Famicom version of Xanadu, but I love that game. I don't know why the controls are terrible. It has the worst jump in any game ever, but I love it so much and I've been playing through it on my second CRT because I rescued another CRT this weekend and I'm starting to, just like Steve and his uh, wife are starting an animal sanctuary, I am starting a CRT sanctuary and I'm going to just surround myself with them. So nice. Eventually this wall back here is going to be nothing but CRTs. And, it's gonna uh, be
2: like robocop
0: yes oh Yay. man i oh. that's one of the movies that i'm hoping to get on vhs but i haven't got it yet. there's facts to do on uh on the screen right now if you've never played it probably don't but if you did play it and you liked it back in the day try it again it's still it's still pretty fun i'm, I'm a big fan of it so that's very, what we've been playing very cool let's hit question block real quick dan rockwood asked because yesterday was star wars day Or excuse me, Bo Hartwig asks, what's your favorite Star Wars game on a Nintendo platform? And I'm going to say it. I really loved Shadows of the Empire on N64. It was like the second N64 game we had. I know it's not great, but the parts that were great were really, really great. Unfortunately, the parts that were bad were so, so bad that it just evened out into a very mediocre game but you didn't have to play those mediocre parts you could just play the really fun parts like the hoth battle or the uh the race through the uh canyon the name is escaping me and uh yeah so shadows of the empire was my favorite my favorite nintendo game because i never played any of the rogue squadron games so
1: yeah i would pick rogue leader for sure on the on the gamecube you know i i thought that was the first game where the visual fi- fidelity was representing Star Wars in a way where I felt like you were, you were playing the movie, like the Death Star attack just looked so damn cool in the trench run. I uh, love that game. I love the Rogue Squadron, um, you know, just the Rogue Squadron series in general. Uh, but it was, I kind of had to decide, like, on the I really liked Super Star Wars, those games on the Super NES as well, even though there was a bunch of nonsense in them, you know, Super Star Wars, you were fighting a bunch of scorpions you'd never seen on Tatooine and all of that. And like <laughs> falling off that damn sand crawler for the 50th time was not fun. <laughs> fighting
2: the sandworm. Uh, yeah, it, sandworm. It, it had
1: all these, it had all these warts. And I think that's, a, look at that giant uh, womp rat there. We had never seen a womp rat before Super Star Wars. Yep. Um, mutant but you, um, womp rat,
2: specifically. Huh? A mutant womp rat.
1: Mutant one, because that's, well, that's the big one. The small one is next to you. They're, they're just gremlins. Um, but uh, uh, Super Star Wars is kind of like Shadows of the Empire in that they're really good things. They're, the presentation is great. Shadow, Shadow has just an awesome Hoth level, for example. Um, but those games don't hold up as well in, uh, anymore. And I think yeah, Rogue no. Leader still still holds up. As okay. do the TIE Fighter games, by the way. Yeah, they do. Uh, mm-hmm. Kat, what about you?
2: I'll start by saying something nice about Shadows of the Empire. I love the Hoth level. It's ball. a game. It was amazing, (laughs) and it was because of that hot level that we got Rogue Leader. But also, I think the cool thing about Shadows of the Empire was that this is the height of when Star Wars was in the middle of its mixed-media thing, and the Shadows of the Empire, of course, was the introduction of a whole new Star Wars story in the middle of the original trilogy, because at the time, we didn't have any of the prequels. And the thing that I thought was really cool was getting a console Star Wars game that had kind of an epic sweep to it. And so... Um, and of course, when it came out, it was a real looker on the Nintendo 64. That thing yeah. probably sold a lot of N64s, but and I, the story was Canon
0: until, you yeah, know, they was not until it wasn't,
2: <laughs> I, yeah, until it, it it wasn't. Be borderline Canon. Cause I believe the, the, the midnight sun, I can't remember what the, she's organization. Uh, I believe has been mentioned at least once, but I also thought that super empire strikes back was super dope. Um. I remember reading the Nintendo Power that what well, had the cover for Super Empire Strikes Back, and they had the the frames, the still frames of the lightsaber battles between Luke and Darth Vader. I'm like, mm. that looks so cool. Like it looked so realistic, right? Uh I, I loved how they were able to bring that into uh the Super Nintendo. So those games were were definitely lookers, and I love that they expanded on the Bounty Hunters as well. But yeah, I'm with Pear, my Favorite Star Wars game on a Nintendo console is definitely Rogue Leader. That game was gorgeous at the time. Like one of the best looking games on the GameCube. It was a showstopper at launch. And they got that thing together really quickly. Like they built a demo extremely quickly. And it was showing how easy it was to develop for the GameCube. And it had an incredible trench run scene. One of the best trench run scenes in any Star Wars game, in my opinion. And then the full game... There were so many secrets to unlock. You got to play with so many different kinds of Star Wars ships. Um, And they had like really clever missions. It's still fun to play today. It still looks really good, honestly. I would kill for a remaster on Nintendo Switch. And I know that uh, one of our listeners has been saying, hey, Aspire." Go ahead and remaster these games. And you know what? I would buy it in a hot second. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. And by the way, like uh, if it, there, the, the Easter eggs in the game were really cool. Uh, Factor 5, who created the Rogue Squadron games and, and Rogue Leader, uh, one of their staff members had this old Buick. And so they kept on putting that Buick as a hidden thing into the game. So if you've <laughs> never seen it, you can unlock and fly an old hoop Buick in oh, Rogue Leader.
0: Real Buick action. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, we have real quick we have one more mike kurtzer asks are you going to answer two questions again this week and the answer is yes so that is all the time (laughs) we have for this week's nvc please follow us on twitter at nvc podcast submit your question block questions on the unofficial nvc facebook group which is officially the unofficial facebook group it's a closed group you have to ask we let in Uh, please check out playlists ign.com slash playlists Thank you, Pear and Cat, and also Red on the ones and twos. Most of all, thank you to you for hanging out with us. And remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing.
1: Get the thing. The baby, get the, the baby. And Prost.